Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, September 8th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency visits Jackson as residents approach seven weeks without drinkable water. Then lessons health officials have learned from the AIDS epidemic and how they're focusing on meeting vulnerable populations where they are. Plus, preserving buildings and historic sites at Mississippi's historically black colleges and universities. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The head of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency says he wants Mississippi's capital city to receive its fair share of federal money to repair a troubled water system. The city of 150,000 is in the sixth week of a boil water advisory from the state health department because of concerns that low pressure could allow contaminants into the water. EPA Administrator Michael Regan was in Jackson yesterday where he met with local residents. He also conferred with officials at the state and local level to assess needs. Our concern is obviously the immediacy and ensuring that we respond to this emergency in a way uh, that assures the people of Jackson that they will have access to good quality drinking water. But we also talked about midterm solutions as well. And we're putting together uh, a construct by which state, federal, and local entities can come together and access the resources that we believe are available to the people of Jackson. Uh, The state of Mississippi will receive more than $26 million in uh, SRF funds in 2022, and that's on top of uh, $30 million that's available in 2021 loan funds for Jackson. And that is also in addition to $13 million that is currently in, existing, uh, in an existing capacity as well. So we believe that there are even more resources that we can access, but we do know that it will require all of us working together uh, to cut through the bureaucracy, have open lines of communication, and access these resources so that we can put them to work immediately so that we can have some longer-term solutions for the people of Jackson. The meeting was one of the few known times city and state leadership shared a table to discuss the aging water system and the challenges it presents. Governor Tate Reeves says he was grateful for the opportunity to meet with partners at all levels of government. Uh, We had a very large uh, delegation, both from our federal partners, not only Uh, the administration, but also 
uh, from the Congress, uh, both Congressman Thompson and Congressman Guest, uh, as well as our two United States Senators uh, participated. They are voting on the floor, uh, but they were able to participate um, through uh, Zoom. We appreciate that. Um, and, and really the conversation uh, that we had was, was largely focused on um, both the intermediate and long-term. You've heard me say repeatedly since last Monday night uh, that we have a short-term, short-run emergency uh, that must be dealt with. Uh, initially, that I was dealing with the quantity of water uh, coming out of the facility in addition to the quality of water. Uh, at least um, as of uh, an hour ago, we had addressed the quantity of water issue, which is certainly very positive. We're working now uh, uh, continue to work with the Department of Health and the city and, and other federal partners to uh, address the quality of the water so as to hopefully uh, get that bull water notice lifted uh, sooner uh, rather than later. Um, we've said that uh, the fixes at the plant were certainly um, at least over the last 10 days uh, could be um, defined in the thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars but we know that uh, here in the, the city, as well as in, in virtually every jurisdiction across America, uh, there is aging infrastructure that has to be dealt with, and much of the conversation today was about unleashing and unlocking uh, monies that are available through the traditional funding sources, uh, as well as through uh, other sources as well. So uh, a good, productive conversation um, with the administrator, with the mayor, with uh, the members of the federal delegation, and, and I appreciate uh, Administrator Regan for being here uh, on the ground uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, to have those conversations. Some indirect back and forth between the two leaders this week, but despite that, Jackson Mayor Shokwe Antar Lumumba echoed sentiments of gratitude to all invested in finding solutions. I do believe that our discussion uh, was fruitful. Uh, one of the things that was most important to me uh, was the component of us continuing to lean in together. Uh, making certain that, that we have some frequency of discussion to make certain that everything is uh, flowing as it should and that we can see the ultimate improvements to OB Curtis and more importantly just the uh, water distribution system of Jackson being sustainable, uh, being uh, reliable and important to me being equitable across the city. Uh, I want to thank uh, not only Administrator Regan uh, and the governor uh, but also as has been stated uh, Congressman Thompson, Congressman Guest, Senator Wicker, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith. I want to thank them all. Uh, anytime you have that level of engagement present uh, and, and leaning in to Jackson's challenges, then that is a good sign. And so we have to remain there. Uh, I also want to thank the people who have been on the ground for the last few days. Not only uh, those individuals who work for the city and the water treatment facility who are uh, more delighted at what it, they're seeing and, and uh, more encouraged. Their morale is up. Uh, but we want to thank the people from MEMA, from FEMA, who have been on the ground, and the EPA. We want to thank the people from the Rural Water Association. Governor made mention that, that some of the repairs were in the thousands. One of the ways that that was able to be captured, uh, which is different from the normal contractual way, is because the Rural Water Association mutual aid agreement was able to accomplish many of those repairs that we would have otherwise had to contract out. Uh, and so there has to be some reassessment uh, of different our SRF loans that we've put out and how they have to be prioritized because of those repairs. And so I'm just grateful for the team and everybody working hard and diligently. 
As work continues to address long and short-term challenges for the city, Administrator Regan notes clean, reliable water is a fundamental necessity for any society and that a number of factors should be considered when implementing plans to improve the water system. Jackson, like many cities across the country, has had a fragile water system. It's our job to ensure that every uh, person in this country has access to clean drinking water. So some of these structural issues actually existed prior to. I don't think that's a secret. I think when we look at this flooding situation, and I think as we look at uh, increasing evidence of climate change and intense storms, we're going to see even more stresses on these fragile water systems. So we do have to walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to be able to look at the repairs that need to take place on a normal basis, but we also have to begin to make investments to ensure that not only we build functioning water systems, but that they are more resilient to the types of storms that we're seeing uh, as we move forward. Michael Regan is the administrator for the Environmental Protection Agency. Coming up, lessons that health officials have learned from the AIDS epidemic and how they're focusing on meeting vulnerable populations where they are. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Fix It 101 is a fun podcast with lots of home improvement information. Even if that's not your bag, all of the episodes are archived online. So if the mood strikes you or if the need motivates you, you can search your project. And yes, there is a Fix It 101 podcast for that. When your kids are too young to drive, they still have to get places. Lots of places. So you spend lots of time in your car or SUV driving them to those places. Thank goodness for MPB Think Radio. While you're waiting in the pickup and drop-off line with the Trazillion other parents, you have fresh air, Southern Remedy, Morning Edition, Everyday Tech, and a host of other MPB programs to keep you company. Go to mpbonline.org to find out what's on and when. You take care of the kids, we'll take care of you at MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Hundreds of thousands of people visited New Orleans over the weekend for the city's 50th anniversary of Southern Decadence, its annual LGBTQ community festival and parade. Shalina Chatlani of the Gulf States Newsroom says, as health officials seek to keep the spread of monkeypox at bay, they saw this event as an opportunity to promote and administer the vaccine. Labor Day weekend in New Orleans was packed with pub crawls and colorful street parades. Anthony Reed and his boyfriend Christopher Bowles had fun over the weekend, but on Monday their main agenda was finding and getting the monkeypox vaccine. A couple that vaccinates together stays together. <laughs> that on your own. Uh, yeah, I did. You know, you're so pretty. I am pretty, and that's all that matters. <laughs> the two are from New Orleans and happy to easily find this bustling vaccine site at Louis Armstrong Park. It's a historical and inclusive gathering spot that's also close to festivities in the iconic French Quarter. I mean, there's signs everywhere, but I'd rather come out here. It's a little more secluded, a little, but it's better than going on a corner in a French Quarter and getting a shot. Many of the people at this vaccine site say they saw posts about the event on social media and on dating websites. There were flyers and bathrooms and bars, informational booklets in hotels, and it spread through word of mouth throughout the five-day festival. Louisiana Department of Health state epidemiologist Teresa Sokol said 
that was kind of the point. We really knew that we wanted to, to implement a robust response ahead of and during Southern decadence. Um, we know that folks who are at increased risk for monkeypox exposure would be attending. Sokol says the New Orleans and Louisiana Department of Health reached out to the Centers for Disease Control to establish this health hub for Southern decadence. The state got up to 6,000 extra monkeypox doses from the CDC ahead of the event, as well as additional medical staff to administer the shot. But there was another key strategy to this site. Monkeypox is a viral infection spread by prolonged, intimate contact. There's also a risk with more casual contact, too. Right now, CDC data suggests the main group of people impacted are those in the LGBTQ community. And that's a message that has spread throughout the country. That monkeypox is a problem for LGBTQ people, specifically gay men. But this weekend, health officials promoted a different message. Anyone can get the virus. So anyone at high risk of exposure to the virus can get vaccinated. John Brooks of the CDC says they've learned a lesson from both the COVID-19 pandemic and the HIV-AIDS crisis. We've had 30 years of experience to learn from HIV, and one of the most important lessons was that we need to tell people the truth about who is being affected by this. But we need to create ways to access the services that are non-discriminatory and non-stigmatizing. This hub is one of two partnerships in the South that the CDC put on this weekend, where there were large LGBTQ gatherings. The other one is in Atlanta. The New Orleans hub saw lots of locals but also people from New York and L.A., where vaccine supply is limited, and from more conservative areas like the Mississippi Delta and rural Alabama. Over the long weekend, Sokol says they gave out more than 800 monkeypox shots and 150 COVID shots. We've had a lot of folks who might reside in rural areas have remarked about the stigma that they're concerned about experiencing if they try to seek the vaccine in their home state. So we really tried to create sort of an all-inclusive atmosphere. Right now, there are about 20,000 cases of monkeypox across the country, and the majority are in communities of color. Local and federal health officials say they'll be watching that trend closely and figure out ways to meet people where they are in a sensitive way. And so far, visitors to New Orleans say they love that they can stay healthy among people they feel comfortable with. Darren Johnson from Lake Charles, Louisiana, came to Southern Decadence with his friends. He says he feels that there's an undue burden on the community to stop the spread of monkeypox, and that's not fair. It seems like it's up to us to make a difference about monkeypox, and if that doesn't happen, then, like... And then it's on us, and that's how it feels. Johnson says he's pleased with public health officials' proactive response so far. His friend, Jay Hinton, says disease spreads when communities are forced to stay hidden and can't seek help. So he believes there's another important lesson from the past. To let us be in the light, to let us exist and have a life and be free to move among people. Johnson says it's important that people set aside their personal judgments and work together to stop the spread of monkeypox now, before it becomes a problem that impacts everyone. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Shalina Chatlani.
The Gulf States Newsroom is a collaboration among public media stations in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Up next, we'll hear about money being given or granted to historically black colleges and universities in Mississippi to preserve history. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you're print impaired, MPB's radio reading service is here for you. Our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you. For information and to see if you qualify, call us at 601-432-6301. This is Jim Dees, host of Thacker Mountain Radio, inviting you to join us every Saturday night at 7 p.m., where we'll feature the best in literature and music. We're inviting you to reach out and put your hands on the radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. Thacker Mountain Radio on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Three of Mississippi's historically black colleges and universities are getting federal support to preserve the history of buildings and the materials they contain. The National Park Service is awarding a combined $1.6 million to Jackson State, Russ College, and Tougaloo College as part of the Historic Preservation Fund. These dollars will help update building infrastructure and preserve its contents. During a recent visit, Shannon Estinos, an assistant secretary at the university, or rather the U.S. Department of the Interior, toured Jackson State with campus administration and student leaders. JSU President Thomas Hudson says, Funding will be used to preserve Ayers Hall, the institution's first building. Despite our historical standing, despite the greatness that you see at Jackson State University, we, like a lot of HBCUs, are often underfunded. And you can see now more and more the results of such underfunding. Uh, You can see it when we've had several consecutive days of rain and roof leaks right here in this very building and across campus. You can see it in flooding. Uh, You can see it in some of the difficulties our students have in accessing their education, which is really our core mission here. The hardest part of the student experience should not happen outside the classroom. It should not be in accessing their education. It should be the actual rigor of the classroom. And unfortunately, HBCU students are often forced to navigate those external factors just to receive the wonderful first-class education that we offer right here at Jackson State University. So I'm so excited about today's engagement. I'm excited about the visit, and I'm excited especially about the Biden's administration's investment into our HBCUs and preserving these sacred spaces and really working to help us fund some of the infrastructural needs that are longstanding right here on our campus. The Jackson State campus is also home to some historic landmarks of the civil rights movement, including the campus's Council of Federated Organizations Center, known as COFO. Secretary Estinos tells our Kobe Vance this is one way the Biden administration is investing both in the legacy and the future of HBCUs. 
I spent the morning um, visiting the Lynch Street corridor and learning about that it was, you know, the incredibly central role that it played in the civil rights movement. And of course, the civil rights movement is a huge chapter in American history. And so this is a um, this is a place where history unfolded, and uh, and it's really humbling to kind of walk in those footsteps of you know civil rights leaders. So it's been trem- a tremendous morning. What do you see this in terms of preservations and ensuring that history is preserved for future generations? Yeah. So the Biden-Harris administration is is committed to telling all of America's stories. And a, a lot of that is preserving our cultural heritage, preserving historic buildings, preserving these places where history unfolded. And so, you know, we're really looking for opportunities to invest our grant dollars in places like Jackson State that have that history but need help uh, preserving it. AIRS now houses archives that contain a large number of records pertaining to the civil rights movement. History professor Robbie Luckett, who also serves as director of the Margaret Walker Center on campus, says the mission of the center intersects with the purpose of the preservation grants. The Margaret Walker Center was founded by the great writer and scholar Margaret Walker in 1968 while she was on the faculty here at Jackson State as Institute for the Study of the History, Life, and Culture of Black People. For the last 50 years, we have maintained that legacy as a Black Studies Research Center, archive, and museum. And part of our mission statement at the Margaret Walker Center is the preservation of historic structures central to the African American experience. The work that these grants enable us to do is absolutely essential to our mission, including in this building, Air Hall, the oldest building at Jackson State. When the campus moved to this location, this building was the entire campus. We have images of that original class in 1904 standing on the front steps of this building. The COFO Civil Rights Education Center on John R. Lynch Street, which was in many ways the epicenter of the organizing of the modern civil rights movement. The headquarters for the Council of Federated Organizations, founded by the late great Bob Moses. The movement that was organized out of there, including Freedom Summer in 1964, is absolutely essential to the narrative of civil rights and, and, and social justice that was fomented right here on this corridor. And so the capacity to have funding that enables us to support these structures that were central to this historic, um, these historic moments is crucial. And we're deeply appreciative um, of the support from the National Park Service and from the Biden administration. And for Assistant Secretary Estinos, the practice of historic preservation at sites like JSU and other HBCUs is to give this generation of students the opportunity to learn and grow in places that have historical significance. This is a the kind of place where it's like you're walking in the footprints of these historic figures. You're, you're not, this isn't a museum. This is the place where it happened. This is, um, you know, and, and those opportunities to preserve history in situ, like in place, is, are, are rare. Um, and, and, uh, and, and it's exactly the kind of work that we should be doing so that people can not just understand what happened, but be in the place where it happened and feel that they are a part of it. Um, and that was really important for me to see myself and to walk it uh, myself. All right. That was Assistant Secretary of the Interior, Miss Estenos. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.